from me, Drew. If you get sucked in the mouth, you can't handle that. Bring the fight to them today. Be pissed off about it. These brothers are like the Rockets. They come to I mean, they're athletic, they're physical, and they're fast as hell. Here comes Bosa. Bosa! Samuel again. Hugo Sanders in. Touchdown, San Francisco. Welcome to the stage, your host for the evening, the voice of the 49ers, radio play-by-play -play announcer, Greg Papa. Come on, stand and go. Stand and go. Stand and go. Stand and go. It's the last ovation I'm going to get all night. Give it to me good to start. Welcome, faithful. Can you give it to me now to start? Tuck. Here we go. Touchdown, San Francisco! Nicholas, right in front, gave it to me there, my guy. Welcome to the 2023 49ers State of the Franchise. We are so excited to be back here at Levi's. We were last year in the auditorium, but we can spread out. I met so many great faces in the crowd tonight, so we're gonna have nothing but fun. And we can't wait to share with you what's in store, what, what truly could be a special 2023 season. We have an amazing night in store. We're going to hear from all facets of the 49er organization, from the executive leadership, the coaching staff, as well as the players. And I think you can kind of guess where we're going. Juice! All pro Fred and the new center, Jake Brindle. We'll hear about the leadership team continuing to bring world-class events to Levi Stadium. We'll hear from the executive leadership on football operations. We'll meet a new coordinator on the defensive side, Steve Wilkes on the coaching staff. And we're going to hear from some of your favorite players as well as we prepare for the 2023 season. So what is every team's goal when they start the season? It's to go to the Super Bowl. Coming up in three years in 2025 season, culminating in February of 2026, the Super Bowl is coming to San Francisco. So many people made that possible. Al Guido, the president of the 49ers, will tell us about all the folks that were involved. Let's bring in Al. The 49er president. How are you, my man? Good to see you. Good to see you. As George Kittle said in the, the video open, all we do is win around here. <laughs> Ten straight wins to close the regular season. The playoff win against the new rivals of the 2010 Seattle. Then the next week, the ancient rivals from the 70s, 80s, 90s. The Cowboys come in. You win that game. So what did you think of last season? Man, what a ride, huh? What a ride. We all know what our goal is to win a Lombardi Trophy. We came up a little bit short. I know you're going to hear from Kyle, John, and Jed. Uh, I'd like it to be a little bit of a fair fight uh, in an NFC Championship game. But look, <laughs> putting another NFC West division crown is great. Uh, it's great for all of us, great for the franchise. That team fought really hard on the field. And massive uh, thank you to all of you. I'm pretty sure 
all of you have changed whatever narrative that was out there that this wasn't a home field advantage. This right. has become a home field advantage because of everybody that's in this room and everybody's in that stadium on Sunday or Thursday or Monday. The even crazier part is we've created home field advantages on the road now. And to, to me, it speaks to the power of the franchise. It speaks to the success of our team on the field, the coaches, the GM, everybody in this organization. Uh, I know when I got here in 2010, uh, there was this thing called the faithful I had to learn. And for a while there, we used to work with our, you know, myself, Alex Chang, and the marketing group, and it's sort of home of the faithful, right, or faithful to the bay. And we know everyone here is faithful to the bay. I would just argue we're globally faithful now. Mexico City, SoFi, Vegas, we were there, Lambeau Field in the playoffs a couple of years ago. You guys just took, up, took over those stadiums. Let's talk about the, the new year. Great home schedule starting with the 21st night of September, the Thursday night, against the New York Giants. And then, uh, I don't know who's America's team, who's international's team, but the, the team we beat in the playoffs the last couple of years are coming in on early October. So give me a little sample, a little sample of the home schedule, Al. I think every, looking everybody forward looks forward to that day when the NFL schedule comes out, right? Your, your, your weekends are now set. You know where you're going, where your family members are going. We know who we're playing. We know the road games we got to travel to. It's not an easy schedule. It never is. And when you look at it on paper in the, season, in the beginning of the season, we all know it never necessarily works out the way it is uh, at the start. So we're excited to open on Thursday night of all nights. It's kind of crazy to open on a Thursday night primetime game. I think it's pretty cool playing holiday games here. I got, I got three girls. I, I can promise you 14, 12, and 10 uh, that, you know, when, when they open up Santa's gifts uh, in the morning, they're going to be putting back on their red and getting ready to come to Levi Stadium. And that's pretty cool, right? You think about, we all know we're in, we, we you know, faithful to the Bay. Ma many of you follow probably the Warriors. You know, the NBA is own Christmas Day for as long as I can remember. And to now have the NFL be playing on Christmas Day here at night, it'll be a festive atmosphere. Uh, so I couldn't be more excited for the schedule. Lamar Jackson in Baltimore will be here. He's never played uh, in the stadium, so... It's hard to believe the place looks so great, but this is the 10th season of Levi Stadium. What has the stadium meant to you, the franchise, and the entire Bay Area? Well, I think when we first got into it, there was a lot to learn. and I, I, I was very uh, open with the fan base in our first, call it, two years. <laughs> we had to figure out our new home. It wasn't easy, and, and we were not perfect. And I know there's a, a lot of season ticket holders in this room, if not all of you, and I just appreciate your patience working through that with us. You know, opening up a two million square foot facility, you know, roughly 50 miles south of where we were, different kind of traffic patterns, different egress and ingress or entry and exit, as we say. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't beautiful. And since we've invested in it, uh, we've taken all your feedback. I know we ask questions after every single game that we play here or event to get exactly what we need to improve on. And... I'm very thankful to work for an ownership group that has never said no. Every time that we've, you know, we've asked for an investment in the stadium to change things on behalf of the fan base to make it a better experience for all of you, we have gotten nothing but yeses. I was on Greg's show uh, in KMBR the other day, 
and you know, both the city of Santa Clara and the York family, you know, we all talk about, say, you probably read as fans, I do too. I'm, I am beyond a fan at heart still to this day. I read every article that's out there. So I know the salary cap, the cash to cap, the, all the things. You got an, or, an organization and a family here that's invested in this team and these fans and this building. When we kick off the Super Bowl in 2026, there will have been spent, there will be $175 million of improvements to this facility wow. in a very short time frame. So, so look, what it means to me is um, it is the place that I call home. It's the place that I call work. It is a family around this atmosphere, and there's nothing better than walking in here on game day and seeing all of your crazy faces. Uh, <laughs> there's days I see it in the parking lot beforehand, and so it's just, it's, it's really awesome. It's crazy to think that we're heading into our 10th year yeah. at Levi Stadium. To me, it feels like it's flown by. Um, but a, a huge thank you to all of you for your support. How many of you were here last year for the state of the franchise in the museum, in the auditorium? I remember seeing you, Y.A. Tittle. Uh, how many of you remember what Al said to me? They had just gotten the World Cup, and we were talking in theory about getting Super Bowl 60. That was about a year ago. Tell me about the process to make it official now, Al. Yeah, I, uh, Lauren and I were together earlier on our way down here, and she said, you realize you called your shot last year, right? And I said, <laughs> well, we don't like to lose as a franchise. Um, and I said this on Greg's show. I mean, I, I, being able to host Super Bowl 60 10 years after we hosted Super Bowl 50, it's not just great for this facility. It's not just great for this franchise. I got a lot of questions on, don't you want to play in that Super Bowl? I said, well, I'd like to win a Lombardi Trophy before that. That's not until 2026. In so Vegas. Let's, let's try to get New one Orleans. before that. Um, but, again, that speaks to the, the effort that we put on. What I will say in here, and for all of you, there's, there's this hashtag that goes out in the social media world around Bay Area Unite. And I cannot thank Larry Bear, Joe Lacob, the Golden State Warriors, the San Francisco Giants. Every single Bay Area team came out to support this bid. And I will say this. We do not win the Super Bowl 60 bid without the Chase Center, without Oracle Park, without all the support from our politicians, the private sector. And look, there's a lot talked about around economic impact and all of those things. And what I would say is there's no doubt about it. This region, not just this team, this region needs events like this. We need to bring back the areas of the city that we all love. We will drive tons of economic impact jobs, hotels, restaurant filled up, all while having a great time. And so a huge, huge thank you to all of you. Uh, it wouldn't be possible without the support of those people. So obviously a lot coming in, in three years' time, the 2025 season culminating in February of 2026. But uh, we have things coming in the next three months. Concerts, a lot of events, soccer matches. What do you got coming at Levi's in this, this summer? Oh, geez. Uh, you know, my, what do my daughters care about? The hottest ticket outside of the San Francisco 49ers, Taylor Swift. Swifty. Um, Swifty, Ed Sheeran, Beyonce, FC Barcelona, UV or Juventus for those uh, global <laughs> football fans out there. Uh, Mexico. <laughs> Car Carol G. Wow, you're right here. I don't you want wanna, the mic here. Uh, Carol G. Here. Carol G got announced the other day. And so we we have a we have a we have a packed house. We know our first our first goal was always the San Francisco 49ers and the win football games. 
Uh, our second goal is to pack this house with, with events that you all want to come to. Again, that drive uh, positive, positive economic impact for our community. And, uh, you know, this will be a busy year. I, I said on Greg's show, and I think that I, I feel the pressure. It's good pressure of this fan base. And for me, I think this is the best fan base and market for fans of all sports in the world. I do. And um, when, we were, when we were going down the Super Bowl bid, I think it's time that, you know, we don't seed every other event to L.A. or Vegas or New York or whatever. That we stand up and say, the Bay's a pretty damn good place to host world-class events for all of us. We got as good, if not better, infrastructure than anyone. And we got the best fans in the world to do it. So I never felt like, look, I walked in there feeling like this is the best bid. And to host, to me, all the things that we'll do on the field will be amazing. And I will celebrate all of them. But I think as citizens of this community, to know that the Bay Area is going to host the two largest events in the world in the same calendar year speaks to what all of you have done and what people feel about this region when they think about sports. That is Bay Area Unite. That is the best fans in the NFL. That is the best fans of all of sports in this country. So thank you very much. In a span of months, right? February of 26, of you got yes. Super Bowl 60, and then, and then the World Cup. A little more about the World Cup. I mean, we don't know exactly how many matches here, but just when, when are we going to know more about that? Because the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl, obviously, but the World Cup internationally rivals the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's a huge deal. I mean, we're going to put on, so FanFest activations will be all over the Bay Area. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion around where they will occur. What we will know in September is we will know the draw. So how many games are going to be hosted here at Levi's Stadium? We've heard, you know, as few as, or, you know, as little as four, as many as eight. Uh, we don't know uh, how many it will be, but it will be massive. There's no question uh, anytime you host a World Cup uh, with multiple countries visiting here, it, it's going to be a, a hell of a lot of fun. Can you spend a moment and talk about, you know, this team does so much, not only on the field and the coaching staff and, the players and the support, but you give back to the community with the 49ers Foundation. When, when you're a pro sports team, as recognized as the 49ers are in the Bay Area, globally, throughout the nation, it's your obligation really to give back, but you guys go above and beyond. Yeah, we don't, we don't just check the box, and uh, kudos to Justin Prettyman and the entire team at the foundation, but kudos to all of you. You probably don't know this. We are the largest foundation in the National Football League in dollars raised and given back to the community. Last year alone, the foundation raised and donated $10 million back into youth program, both in education and sports, which we all know we desperately need. And it was awesome now. Look, we got a friendly rivalry. I like to say, with the Las Vegas Raiders, we are the team for the Bay. We're the only team in the Bay, which means we rep Oakland, too. And all of those children 
both on the field and in the classrooms that are working hard for their future deserve our support as well. And I was thrilled that we started to bring on foundations in Oakland, in that region to support those efforts. So I, I've worked for all five Bay Area major sports. The Sharks are major as well, but both baseball teams, both football teams, and, and the Warriors, obviously. And these guys are at the top in everything they've done, from the coaching staff and the players, the way they treat people. But uh, we are going to bring Jed, John, and Kyle up in a moment. You are the president of this team. And you realize, you know, all the way down to the equipment guys, to everything, you have to have a rock-solid organization. And where does it start? It starts at the very top of the pyramid, pyramid with ownership, with the general manager, and with the head coach. You work with these guys every day. Tell me about Jed, John, and Kyle, Al. <laughs> uh, and you, can you do it in four minutes and 22 uh, seconds? I know. Um, <laughs> I've had the pleasure of working with Jed since 2010. I've been in the National Football League since 2006. It's the best franchise in the world, and it's because of him and his family. Um, and look, we, the world of the NFL is a tough business at times. It's, it's not always suited. They, they reward you when you're not good by better draft picks and everything else. It's hard to stay at the top. And we all know, and thank you for going. Look, we went through a few down years. There's no question about it. But Jed stood firm. Uh, he's always been patient. I think, you know, I'd like to believe, like, when we set, when he set out, him and Prague and everybody else set out to hire the next general manager and the head coach and John and Kyle, these guys are, these guys are rock stars, um, not just in what they do, but who they are. We got a culture here. We all know we got a culture of winning. We've won on the field. But you know when you have something special. For those of you, I don't care if you played at the, you know, for me, D3 football, or you played at the lowest levels, um, or frankly, when you go to the office every day, you know when you got something special. You just know it. You feel it. People can ask you, and you might not be able to put your finger on it. I know we have something special here. I know it in the collaboration of our team. I know it in how hard we push each other. We're never satisfied as a group, which I always love. We are always pushing the boundaries here on how we can get better. Uh, we don't rest on our laurels, and that speaks to the leadership team. And, you know, Jed gives us all the resources we need. He gives us all the support and the leadership, the collaboration. Today I was in John's office for two hours just talking shop about a whole host of things, what we can be asking the NFL for, how we should work on scheduling, how do we prepare not just our facility but our franchise, our travel, logistics, to put our team in the best position to win. Um, and then, you know, you go down to Kyle, and I think for me, I stood out, you know, I, I say this to Greg a lot during the preseason when I go on radio in the fourth quarter. I know all of you are watching I told Greg, sooner or later, I'm just going to take over play-by-play -play just to have a little bit of fun. He's doing it now. But what, I, what I say... He talks more than Tim Ryan. What I... What I <laughs> without the hair. Um, My hair's better. What, what, I say, what I say to Greg is, um, <laughs> I firmly believe that every game we take the field, schematically, um, that we're the best. That, that our game plan, that our coach is set up to succeed. And we all know the ball may bounce a different way. A quarterback, a quarterback may get his arm hit in a funky position. Uh, sports is sports, right? <laughs> you can turn an ankle at any time. You can do whatever. That's part of life. But I know every time we walk on the field that our players are prepared, that our organization has put those players and the support staff in the best positions to win, and that our coach 
and his coaching staff schematically has done an amazing job prepping us. And all you need to look at, if you don't believe me, look at the head coaches in the tree. I go down to the museum a lot by myself, and I stare at that Bill Walsh coaching tree. And I look at the impact that this franchise, that man, and that organization had across the National Football League. Start doing the same with Kyle Shannon and John Lynch and what they put together. GMs that were here or AGMs that are now GMs. Offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators that are now head coaches. You know you're special. You know you're good when other people start replicating or taking the best of what the best. And as Greg mentioned on his lead-in, what you're going to find is great coaches like Coach Wilkes and everybody else want to come here for the team, for the organization, for Kyle, because they know we got something special. So, look, keep supporting us. Keep being out there. I know they're going to say it. This place has turned into one of the most difficult places to play in the National Football League. Al Guido, the president of the Niners. Thank you, my man. Thank you, everyone. We go from the president of the 49ers to a few members of the executive leadership team. I believe you know who they are. The CEO of your 49ers, Jed York. The general manager of the 49ers and a pro football Hall of Famer, John Lynch. Captain America. And your head coach, Kyle Shanahan. How are you guys? Happy birthday. Happy birthday. We actually have, uh, I met a guy out there, BJ's having his 49th birthday today. Where's BJ? 49 are turning 49. Stand up. Beautiful. Happy birthday, BJ. Could be a special year. So it's his 49th birthday, Jed, and it's the 10th year of Levi Stadium. It's hard to believe walking in, it looks like it's 10 days old and not 10 years old. But Al touched upon it a little bit. Um, just all the people behind the scenes that has made this. I know this was your baby when you had this built, but just tell me, what has this stadium meant to the, the franchise, the Bay Area, and just the NFL in general? Well, I mean, you look at the fact that we're hosting Super Bowl 60, we hosted Super Bowl 50, you're hosting a World Cup, and this stadium allows you to have world-class events. I, obviously, we're gonna play football games and regular season games, whether at Levi's or whether we're playing in a dirt field at Kizar, <laughs> right? But this stadium allows us to really have an impact on the community much more so than anything else could have. And it's a testament to everybody who put time and work in to get this building to where it is. And it's, I, I can't believe it's 10 years old. And what has it meant, Kyle, to the team? You know, we went to that Rams game last year, three and five, and you had a tough time winning games to begin the year. It all flipped. You ran the table the rest of the year. This year, 11 and one, including the two home playoffs. We talked about Levi's lit, but as a play caller and, you know, head of the defense as well, what has it meant to your football team to, to have Levi's be lit the way it is now? Oh, I, I try to figure out what, why people talk about home field advantage in other sports because I don't get how there is if the noise is taken out of it. Like, I don't understand that with basketball and hockey or baseball. Football, it's everything because that's yeah. the snap count. There's, it's 11 people trying to talk to each other, and if you can't, there's such a disadvantage. So crowd noise is the biggest effect in football to me over any sport. I know that's the only one I'm educated on, but I don't get how it could be different. Um, <laughs> but it's been crazy here. I mean, when I first got here, 
mean, you're a product of your environment. And, um, you know, I spent there two years before this in Atlanta, you know, and we had just gone to a Super Bowl. And um, usually in Super Bowl years and stuff, you have a real good fan base. Yeah. And I, I, I was, I, we used the silent cadence at home in Atlanta in 2016 every time we got in the red zone because the road team was louder once we got inside the 20. Um, so the, the Rams wasn't the first situation I heard that. And I came here, and, you know, anytime you, you had three years where they struggled a little bit, hey, I understand it's going to not be great. That's what I heard. And the first game was better than our first game in Atlanta, and we had been winning. <laughs> and we started out 0-9. <laughs> and and yeah. I'll always talk about Jacksonville. We played on Christmas Eve. And that was one of the loudest games I probably had been to since I could remember. Maybe a playoff game like eight years before. I thought it was the best fans that I could see and best right. that I've been to. And it's only gone like this since then. And when we come back here, it it is without a doubt an advantage. And our players know that. You can feel it in the stadium. And I think anyone watching on TV can feel it. And, John, it's not just here at Levi's. I mean, wherever the 49ers go on the road, whether it's Lambeau or Mexico City or Levi's South, known as SoFi as well, I mean, <laughs> these, these folks travel insane. We see them everywhere. No, you're right. Um, you know, like Kyle talked, we're all product of our, of our environments. And... You know, I had been in Tampa, I had been in Denver, and Denver, Denver's got a really nice presence. Credit John Elway, Mike Shanahan, Terrell Davis, all those guys really became kind of a regional team. I've never seen anything like this. When we travel, how we fill stadiums, and, you know, I used to think maybe it's just the bright red, and, and, and you know, that stands out. I remember the Steelers coming to Denver one year and the terrible towels, you see those things. It's not just that. It's, it's massive amount of people wherever we go, and man, is it welcome. It's so fun. There's nothing better than going on the road, having our fans there, and when you're hearing, let's go Niners, and taking over stadiums. Uh, we try to do it on the field, but when our fans are up there supporting us and giving us that energy, man, we appreciate that. We have it on the road. We have it at home. Uh, the faithful is real. It's a force, and, and we sure appreciate it. Having the Rams quarterback have to go silent count at home is pretty fun. All right, seven years these two guys have been, been a tandem. Continuity in the NFL, it's amazing. Tell me about why you think it has worked when you paired John Lynch with Kyle Shanahan, Jay. These are two guys that you know can be here for a long, long time and that they can help deliver year in and year out, but you have to build the foundation. You have to be patient. And it's like building a house. It's like finding a spouse. Like It's great to find somebody and fall in love in a day, Generally, those don't work out so well, right? Like, it, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes work, and, and you have to put that in. And that's, that's what you see with these guys. Like, they complement each other so, so well, and they're both so humble, and it's never, well, you know, John picked this guy, and, and Kyle did this. It's, you know, we, we picked this guy, whether it's the best pick in the world or it's somebody that didn't work out. Like, we won or lost this game, not, well, Kyle called a play or called a timeout or didn't call a timeout. Like, you don't see any of that infighting. And I think that's what matters where, you know, I, I look at what we've done and, and there's easy things to look and point and say, oh, you know, well, you, you missed on this or you missed on that or you didn't do this right. But the combination of what we've been able to do, it, it, it's a portfolio. It's not, it's not one individual player. It's not one individual game. It's, it's what have we accomplished together. And we don't try to hold score and keep score of, well, you know, he messed this up. 
no, like we didn't do something correctly. We will learn from it and not make that mistake again. And we'll get better and we get stronger through that process. And that's, that's what gets you through a, a time where the start of last season was not fun, right? Like it's not fun when you have expectations and you don't start off hot and strong, but no one panicked inside our building. No one pointed fingers inside our building. We took a deep breath, we figured ourselves out, we settled down, and then we went on a heck of a run. I can, um, I can add to that just in the fact that, like, first, I'm never going to calm down during the season, but <laughs> if I do, it's, I'll miss too much. But it's, so you're not going to be calm. But, like, do you feel support? And, and the season's long. Like, you just, you try to, like, hunker down and focus on your team and it's really easy to do and ignore everything but to do your job the best that you can whether it works out or not or when yeah you're not going to calm down but people don't make you panic i never felt panicked i could always make the right decisions john always can make the right decisions and we always just that doesn't mean it'll be right but you think you're doing what's right for the right reasons and and then you get healthy and you get to a third year and everyone's and all right now we're all healthy things are right we have done it right away how's our team going to be and you're eight no and you're just grateful that, oh, my God, I'm glad you're with the right people and we could get to this spot. And that's what I'm appreciative of. Right. And things happen for a reason. I just think whether it happens right away or a long time, the more you can stack um, doing things the right way. And you're in an organization that's always committed to trying to win and compete with other teams. I believe it's always a matter of time. Right. Ever since Nick arrived, you have four years here, stripped to the Super Bowl his rookie year, three times in the NFC Championship game in four years the number one defense in pro football, third player in the history of the franchise to win the Defensive Player of the Year Award. But I want to, and he's involved in this as well. I want to talk about the offseason. Number one defense in pro football last year, John. But he comes to you and says, I want a difference maker. Uh, it's kind of like getting Dion a little bit in 94. I, I didn't come to him. Like, these two wanted to spend money. Yeah. <laughs> and say, that's great. But... You know, you're looking at free agency and you're always going to spend top dollar. And it's like, well, do you want like the third best player for like 80% of the price? And again, if we're going to do it, like just, just do it. And, you know, we're fortunate that we have good young quarterbacks on a roster that, that helps you be more flexible with your salary cap for the next few years. It's like, look, if you're going to do it, like spend next year's money to get the guy that's going to be here for the next three years and make a difference. Like we're... We're close, but if you're going to do it, go do it. And, and it was clear who they wanted to get. Yeah, we had, we had a lot of conversations and, um, about how we make a, a really good team better. That's a hard thing to do. You've got guys who, whose contracts are up. We let $80 million walk out the door this year, 16 free agents, guys like McGlinchey and Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, help me out, Danny Brunskill and Jimmy Ward's of the world, and, and, and you know, you, you keep going. But that's part of it, and that's why you constantly have to be developing talent. But what, what Kyle and I really uh, talked about, and we talked to our staffs long and hard, you kind of do the review of the previous year, and you look at it every way. Kyle does something that's tremendous. Our offensive coaches watch our defense. Our defensive coaches watch our offense. They come back. They report. Our personnel's doing the same thing. And you try to get a grasp on where can we be better. And the thing we kept coming back to is on the defensive line, albeit the number one defense in football, played a really good defensive football. It was outstanding. 
but we felt like we had lost a little bit of our dominance on on uh, the D-line. You know, when, we, when you think back to the uh, 2019, and it was, it was you know, you when you were playing the Niners, you knew you were not going to have a lot of time to throw the ball on the run game. You were going to have people penetrating. And we felt like, despite playing such good defense, we had maybe fallen off a little. And we'd always, you know, when we first got together, one of the core principles we really agreed on we're going to start up front on defense. Those guys are going to drive the bus. And uh, that's what we had built. And we felt like that had slipped a little. Some of that being injuries like to Armstead. But we knew we had to go get a difference maker. And so when I got with Jed, you know, one Saturday at my house, Jed came over. Kyle and I had discussed, okay, you know, I felt like I was asking a girl on a date. Okay, here, here's, here's how I'm going to start the meeting, Kyle. No, don't do it that way. Do it this way. <laughs> um, and I was at basically going to Father Confession asking for money. And I said, Jed, like, it'd be a shame with this team to, to sit on the sidelines. And Jed stopped me. He said, make sure it's a difference maker. And I said, okay, well, we're on the same page because we got one for you. <laughs> and that was Javon Hargrave. And uh, He's pretty good. You put him next to Eric Armstead, Kyle, and, and Nick Bosa on the other side. Wow. Um, Steve Wilkes, you know, you've lost a lot of great defensive coordinators here the last few years. Robert Sala gets a head job in New York, and D'Amico's now the head coach in Houston. What did you know about Steve Wilkes when, when you brought him in, and, and what do you know about him now, and how do you think he, he improves your defense? Um, it started with me just going against him. You know, I, I don't think I'd ever met him before. We played him twice when he was head coach at Arizona, so I shook his hand after those two games. But besides that, I've never met him. Um, just had played against him a number of times, and it started in the South um, when he was at Carolina. So I got to see him probably four times there when I was at Atlanta. Um, then when he came here, watching what he brought to Arizona, and I've always just—I mean, when, when you go against a defensive guy, you're—you just—you get to see their secondary, you get to see their front, you get to see everything. And when I see it twice a year, every time I'm in Atlanta, um, then you go to a different place and you can see what you remember from a year before, and you can see consistency of stuff is where you're in respect for people as coaches. Um, it's not, it doesn't, there's lots of guys you meet and you like, but you really need to truly respect a guy if you go against him or if you've worked with him, because then you really know. Um, so I always, he always had my respect. He was tough, especially when you play him a second time, because he would know what you, what his weaknesses were. He would know what you got him on or what he got you on, and there would be a different game. Um, so that's where it started. Um, I love our defense. I love what we've done here. I love our players. I love our scheme. I love the coordinators, the two we've lost. And I loved everyone else on our staff that we have. And when you're losing a guy, guys like that, and you've had a system intact where no one plays a linebacker position better to me than our linebackers. One, because they're special people, special talent. Also, because they've been doing the same thing since they've been in the league every day. And you combine all that together, and they're the best. I see the same thing for Bosa. I see it for Armstead. I mean, he's, I know you think he's nine years, but he's seven years with us. And you see this group, and it's like, man, we were one last year. And they took D'Amico. But, man, this, we got a lot of guys here we don't want to change. And if we don't change it, then you can get better. And how do we not change this? Well, I need a guy that can run a four down front um, that doesn't come in and change it to a whole 3-4 or anything. Not because I have a problem with a 3-4. You can succeed anyway. Uh, you just got to commit to it and match it with your people. Um, but we're already committed. So let's get someone with a four down. Let's get someone that we truly respect just from going against them. And let's find out what kind of guy he is. Um, so we brought him in for an interview. I'd say probably 30 minutes is football, which is more just let's talk football to just see how we talk because that's mainly how we communicate. Um, 
but we knew football. It was to see how's this guy going to fit in? How's he going to work with our guys? And that was my most exciting thing about it because he can run a defense and make it great. I wanted to see how he felt coming to a defense that was pretty good. And we were asking him to come do what we do. And once he learns that, find a way to make it better and put your own imprint on it. And I need to know about the character of the guy and how he feels about that and he, how he gets along with his, our staff. And when I had to meet with our defensive guys and stuff, uh, it seemed like they all clicked. I said all the things that, you know, a guy who was not into that would have said, no, I'm good. I have a lot of choices. I'm going to go run my own thing and not have anyone trying to make me listen. Like, I would have respected that. That's, he's earned that. He can go be successful anywhere. But he liked our people. He liked what he saw on tape, and he wanted to be a part of it. And once you saw that, I feel extremely fortunate to have him. You want to meet Steve Wilkes? I do after hearing that. Let's bring him out here with Brian Schneider and Chris Furster. Chad York, thank you so much for your time. Mr. Lynch, always good to see you. Kyle, good to see you, man. Thank you. CEO, Jed York. General Manager, John Lynch. Head coach, Kyle Shanahan of a terrific coaching staff. Let's bring out some members of offense, defense, and special teams, starting with the, I think he's the best offensive line coach in football, and he's the run game coordinator. Say hi to Chris Furster, who's lost some weight since I last saw him. You're looking lean and mean. How are you? The new defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, joins us. How are you, sir? Greg Popper. Good to see you, man. Greg Popper. Welcome. Schneids! Brian Schneider. How many Jake Moody questions should I ask him? <laughs> do you think? Uh, Coach Wilkes, let's start with you because we just heard Kyle talking about you and you 2018 with Arizona. You were the head coach there and yes. beat the 49ers a couple of times. We saw you last year in Carolina. Obviously, highly sought. Just uh, why did you want to come here and, and take over this great defense? Well, I, I tell you, when you try to find uh, your next move like I did and really want to try to connect with a great organization, uh, I've seen great things from afar, the 49ers organization and things that they've done in the past. And having an opportunity to come here on my interview, I quickly realized the reason why, particularly the three men that just left this stage. You know, I've been in a situation twice. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the, the, uh, where those situations were, but it starts at the top. Right. All right. You have to have that commitment. And you just saw from Jed the level of commitment that we have in trying to make sure that we have the best. And then you have a GM and a head coach that's aligned, all right, that's, that collaborates on everything, as they just mentioned. Doesn't care about who picked who, you know, and the players that we have, the culture is set. And I, was, I told my wife when I left this interview, I said, this is the place I want to be. And it's great to have you here. So obviously, you've been around the league and did great work. You're working in Carolina last year as the interim head coach and taking them close. And you had a pretty good running back there in Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Chris, you know, your run game, we'll get to your offensive line. And Jake's going to join us in a little bit, Jake Brendel, and the work there. But it starts with CMC. I mean, uh, the 49ers season flipped when he arrived last year. And, you know, starting with the Kansas City game, coming in for a cameo the rest of the year. Just talk about your running back room, but start with the specialness of CMC, Chris. Well, yeah, you said it. Christian is a, uh, the minute he showed up, you just realized what a consummate pro he is. I mean, you see it this spring. He's out there when he doesn't have to, going full speed, uh, beating himself up when he's not perfect in everything that he does. I mean, he just brought a level of whatever he needed to do to help this team to get better. 
he worked as hard as he could at it. And he's a guy that's always looking to get better. He's always looking for that edge. He's always looking for what can I do that, to be just a little bit better. And he, he, he got here and didn't realize that he'd never really been coached as much in how to run the ball as Kyle coached him. And he, he accepted that coaching and, and got better as the year went on. And, and, and then he, he brings everybody else up. You take him, and, and, and you know we have the saying, Kyle, Kyle came up with it in Washington, we, a guy that always seems to find the right hole, we ended up nicknaming this guy Drano. Because, you know, he always finds the drain, you know? And, and that's, Christian does it, but he does it with elite athleticism, elite speed, and everything else, toughness, physicality. He's always going to find the right hole. When you think it's blocked for one, he's going to find a way to get three or four. He always finds that. Then you take, and he does it with a, with a shiftiness and elusiveness. And then you take Elijah Mitchell. I mean, when, when he was out and came back, Trent Williams, he, he said, he said, I didn't know who was carrying the ball. You know, we're up there blocking the rope. The backs rotated, and Elijah was well. He said, all of a sudden, you're hearing, bam, bam, bam. And Trent was like, it was like somebody was throwing garbage cans around out there when Elijah's <laughs> running. So then you got CMC, you got Elijah doing that. Then you have Juice, who adds something that, you know, he can line up anywhere on the field. He's a challenge for everybody. Then even when we had the, you know, guys were dinged up, you have um, uh, Mason. Um, and again, we got Ty, guys, young guys coming along well that are learning from these guys, which that running back room, I mean, they make us look good. I mean, the old line, we're up there doing the best we can. We obviously have an elite player at our left tackle position, but these guys are all guys, all the skill players. I'll say 10 out of 10 times, you give us the skill, and we'll find a way up front to get in their way enough to let those skill guys do their job. Schneids, when you watch CMC run, are you tempted to go to Kyle and say, can I get one kickoff return from him? Maybe, maybe one. It's always open. Whenever he wants to do return. it, whenever Kyle wants Big to game do it, moment, it's open. You know, because Debo's back as well. Uh, can we start with the fair catch rule and just start there? I mean, would you put Christian McCaffrey back on kickoffs to put the ball at the 25-yard line? I know we're trying to learn what the actual rules are, um, but if you don't know, they changed it at the owners' meetings a few weeks ago in Minnesota where you know, it used to be the ball had to go into the end zone to have it on the 25-yard line, and it used to be on the 20. Now you can catch it anywhere inside the 25, and it goes to the 25. So just initial thoughts on how this fair catch rule will change your, your end of the, of the game. It'll be interesting. There's always going to be something. But I, I really think uh, there's going to be some more returns. And all special teams coaches that I go against them every Sunday, they all try to find loopholes. So something will be different. We just got to prepare for it both ways. And, and that's when the 49ers are, you know, running back a kickoff, which leads to to Jake Moody, number 99 overall. Tell our audience about the workout that you had with the bad snaps and everything that sold you on taking Jake. Yeah, um, you know, we looked at 27 guys coming out of college, and some of those we looked at really quick, but there were 25 guys that we evaluated, and we kind of shrunk it down to the top three in our minds. And so when you get there, that's where you really want to go look at them and see it live and do everything. And so I went to see Jake, and uh, it, it was cool. A lot, of, a lot of kickers, all kickers would like to kick off sticks. If you've seen a kicker just stick, hold the ball up there, he lines up, take his time, and uh, they all want to do it that way. So at his pro, pro day, where all the NFL goes there, he kicked off sticks and was 12 for 13, and I think he missed a 58-yarder. So that's, that's what kind of talent he is, when he can just line up there and kick. So I definitely wanted to see the whole operation. So... The first task I do is I try to get them to get a long snapper. And conveniently, a lot of them over the years can't find one. But I don't care what the long snapper looks like. I just want to see how they react in, in, a, in a, as live as you can get, as close as you can get, and just see how they react to different things. So uh, he got two long snappers that were backups and his holder there. And so that was a workout. We went through it, and uh, 
it was great right off the bat. Balls are everywhere. They're, they're, there's no spirals. The, the holder's all over the place. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Jake's hitting a lot of them. He's making a lot, most of them, but they're not clean. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And the only thing I cared about was Jake. And his. I, I didn't even care about the kick because that's on film. I get all that. I wanted to see his reaction to everything because it was frustrating for him. And then, uh, so then I'd take off the, the long snappers and he'd have to go just on sticks and that kind of threw it off his timing. So it was, it was great. I wish every workout I ever did, these elements would happen. And so we go back and he, he missed a, a 55 yarder and we were kind of going off to kickoffs and I, I put him to the sideline and I said, okay, we got a last second field goal to beat Ohio State. And I said, you got 12 seconds. Let's start to count it down. And so all, all three guys run out there, the worst snap of the day. It bounced on the ground, was way inside. If I'm the holder, it's way inside here. The ball's not even close, and Jake's going up to the ball. And so the holder barely gets it, and he just smoked the ball. And <laughs> what, what it really did for me is what I saw on tape is he's really, really consistent. When you look at kickers, the number one thing is uh, their approach, how they strike the ball, and how they finish. That's really as easy as it gets with a lot of the fundamentals in there. But that's the consistency. If you guys are golfers, how consistent can your golf swing be? Very similar to that. So uh, once he did that, and that's exactly what I saw, I was like, this guy, you know, and his face never changed. One minute, it was stone-faced. It was just really cool to see it. And so I was like, holy, this, this is the real deal here. And then we went to kickoffs. The first one, he hit the ceiling. We did six of them. The last two, I said, I want it outside the numbers. Oh, excuse me. I, have I been talking like we this We heard you. I heard you fine. Hey, usually Did coaches can talk loud. No. Wilkes had to point that out to me. Yeah. I guess that's right yeah. in front of me. There. <laughs> said, hold the mic closer to your mouth. I got it. So the last two kickoffs, the last two of the day, I said, I, I want you to kick to the goal line, as close as you can to the goal line, outside the numbers with as much hang time as you can. Uh, the first one was a yard outside the numbers on the goal line with 4-3-8 hang time. 4-3-8 hang time is that's top of the NFL every Sunday. Um, the second one was two yards outside the numbers on the goal line with 438, the exact same hang time. So for me, the, the talent is, you can see that, but the mental makeup, uh, that was one of the best workouts I saw where we could judge that. And you, you just trust what you see. And I, I was just really excited we got yeah. here. That's why he's got the nickname of Money Moody. Like so Coach Wilkes, obviously you've watched a lot of 49er game tape. When the 49ers are humming, and last year they won their last 10 regular season games, two in the playoffs, it's Schneid's on, on special teams rolling, it's Chris in the offense and Kyle and everybody there, and it's defense. And it's, it's you know, complimentary football all coming together. Um, but just give me your thoughts overall about the defense. You know, you saw Nick Bosa last year when he came into Carolina on October the 9th. You know Javon Hargrave. You know Isaiah Oliver who was in your division. Just talk about it, and then Fred Warner's going to join us in a bit. You got that front. You got the great stack linebackers with Fred and big play, Dre. The secondary, what, what, what do you see from your defense? Well, everything we do stars up front. And um, to inherit a defense like this, uh, to me, is a blessing. You know, I've, I've had some opportunities to be a part of some great defenses over, over the years, but nothing like this. And when you talk about Bosa, you talk about Eric, you talk about Ken Law, uh, you talk about Hargraves, who we signed, uh, probably the best uh, defensive line in the National Football League. You know, our linebacking core. You, know, you, talk, you mentioned Fred, who's going to come up here. Uh, these guys, and just let me tell you something about the culture and how these guys work. Uh, I came in phase one, and I'm just blown away 
I'm talking about blown away at the way these guys go about their craft. I mean, you would think it's the season, the way these guys are working around here. Then we hit the field on phase two, and you just see the intensity increase even more. Now we're in the OTAs. So again, you know, from afar, you see the great things are happening here, but then now being here in person, it's like, okay, I get it. You know, it's a different standard here. I mean, every NFL team doesn't have this, and I'm very fortunate to be a part of it. Uh, as we talk about it, it does start up front. My background is secondary, you know, and we have some great players back there. I say it all the time. Even though we start up front, we still have to drive the bus from the back. And these guys got to improve, which they have uh, since I've been here, going through different phases. And, you know, Sean and I just talked about that. Um, Huff, you know, you got a veteran guy back there in Gibson. You look at... Uh, Demo, who's improved. You look at Mooney, and I'm, I'm very excited about Ambry. You know, he's taking the next step right now and doing some great things. Competed against Oliver when I was in that division. That was one of the top priorities that we wanted with the understanding that we may lose Jimmy. So we say, okay, we got to go find the best nickel that we can. And Isaiah Oliver, man, he has just been showing up each and every day. So uh, I'm excited about it. You know, I hear every day about how great we are, and Cal constantly reminds me, don't screw it up. <laughs> You got to move on. Kwan Williams, one year, you go on to Jimmy, and then Isaiah Oliver. You got long arms. Yes. And on your side of the ball, the O line, Alex Mack retires. And he may be on his way to the Hall of Fame, Chris. And you're wondering, what are we going to do? You were the one guy that was pounding the table for Jake Brendel, and Jake's going to come out in a moment. Uh, his skill set, the metrics there, obviously, was, was high. The 52 career starts at UCLA, how smart he is. He's coached Jake. But what, what did you see in him that, that you knew he could, he could run the center of your offensive line? Yeah, well, we had uh, when I was when I was at the Miami Dolphins, we uh, we we started the season one and five, and the head coach after the, that start cut three starting offensive linemen because he didn't like the way the line was playing. So we released them. So we had to find players to bring in, and so we poached Jake and a couple other guys off some practice squads and got them on our 53-man roster. And the minute Jake showed up, I said, "This guy's got the skill set to do the things." that you need him to do. Now, at that point, we had Mike Pouncey as a center there. Jake was going to be a, in a backup role. But I immediately it just I saw the things that, that you just see that you know over the course of time that it takes to play center in this offense. And so I didn't have any doubt. The doubt was, though, as we talked about last year with the same interior three guys, Aaron, Jake, and with um, uh, Spencer Burford, you don't know till they play. You don't know till they get out there, how they compete. Uh, if they once they, they get beaten, they got to pick themselves off the grass and do it again. For Jake to have to fill in for Alex, who'd run a line for so many years, to come in and have to run the whole deal himself for the first time over a long stint in an offense that he'd not really been in for long. Uh, so so Jake came in and used, I saw the skill set. I knew the guy. Everything you talked about starts at UCLA. I knew him as a person from back then, and I believe in the guy. And uh, he just had to go out and, and prove to everybody else what he and I both knew he could do. We just hoped it worked out, and it did. And obviously, you got the, you know, from left tackle and Trent to right tackle and Colton McKivitz, you got, you're, you're solid there, and the interior three played well. But then you got arguably the best in-line blocking tight end, not only in football today, but going back many, many years, and George Kittle. And a word about Kyle Juszczyk. You know, you put this run game together, and Kyle lines up at just about every position on the field. You know, three wide receiver positions left, three going to right. 
He's in line at fullback. He's offset. He's wing. T tell me about, you know, how special it is to have a fullback like Juice. Yeah, Juice does a great job. Like we, I mentioned earlier, the guy could really line up in all the positions. And, and the bottom line is he can dot the eye. He can be back there as a fullback. And, you know, he's not, he's not your typical bruising fullback. That's why he can do all those things. So we have to be good at how we use him. But we have a lot of interchangeable parts there. The thing about all these guys is they, as, as Coach Wilkes talked about, they all buy in. They're all the right kind of guy. They're all pros. They love this. They love working. They love what they do. They're willing to do anything. They're smart. They're inter they, they do everything we ask them to do every single day. They have good ideas. They're, they're awesome guys to work with. And that's the thing that we really like about them. I want to say one thing. It says, wrap up here but you know they, ah. they went over before no, so no, no, yeah, no. this is, I gotta say this guys this is my third time this is the first time I've ever had the chance to be in front of what I consider the faithful okay and I yes sir yes sir I was here in 2008 and 9 and then they got rid of me then I came in 15 and they got rid of me again <laughs> and then they brought me back in 19 and I'm hanging on now right I'm he's a boomerang I'm hanging on but I'll say this the one thing about it, I've been on nine different teams over 30 years and there's nothing like the faithful. You guys, and I'm not saying that because I'm here tonight. Whether it was a candlestick, wherever it's been, I look at this crowd every week. There's no better place to play. You are the reason that this thing is beaten like it is here. I love it, okay? Yeah! Drop the mic on that. Give me a mic. Drop it. Chris Furster, run game coordinator. Coach Wilk, so great to meet you, sir. Welcome. Schneids, be great. Chris Furster, Brian Schneider, and Steve Wilkes. Let's hear it. I think we have some jerseys up here, right? You want to see some players come up and talk football? Let's start with number 64, Jake Brendel, your starting center. Jews! Kyle Juszczyk. All pro Fred. No Armani for that? You gonna go Armani? How are you, man? Jake, congratulations to, to you. We heard, you know, and, and Coach Furster was one of your big allies to bring you here, and Alex Mack retires. People wonder about the center position, and you ball out. You play every game, and congratulations on the contract. And I know you had other people that wanted you, but... Thank you. Talk about where you're at in your career right now with the contract in hand and the job you have being the center and one of the great offenses in pro football? Uh, honestly, I'm in a really good spot. Yeah, you are. Uh, Thanks for coming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, honestly, I feel like my career is just getting started. Uh, I have so much left in the tank. Uh, I've been very fortunate over the past seven seasons to really not have a bunch of injuries, a bunch of wear and tear. So, you know, I honestly looking forward. I got big dreams to accomplish. Yeah, we're all dreaming big, Fred. So you go against him. You're obviously the quarterback of the defense. It makes my life hard every day. He's the hardest. They gave him all that money for a reason now. Is that because you were, you were trumping for him? You were yes, stopping? sir. Absolutely. So you know you know what a special center he is. Oh, no, he's great, man. He came in day one, kept his head down, working, working. You know, not a lot of guys knew about him at first, but then all of a sudden you see him being consistent every single day, coming in the building doing what he needs to do, and obviously performing at a high level for us all season long, so uh, very well deserved. Juice, you're, you're one of the honorary members of the O-line. You and George, I think, are you know six and seven on the O-line. Um, but we were talking about Christian McCaffrey earlier. So I'm going to try to figure out this year who's going to play more positions, CMC or Juice? Because you play all the wide receiver positions left. You play them all right. You play fullback in line, offset. I see it wing. 
How many meeting rooms do you have to go in? Do you go in the QB room, or you don't have to go in there, do you? Uh, I'm working on it. I'm trying to get over oh, there. Oh, boy. Now we're in trouble. But uh, I, I, think, uh, I think Christian's going to beat me in that category this year. He's, you know, the new shiny toy. This is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is year seven for me and, and Kyle. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get my time. I'll do what I do. But I think uh, he's going to have more fun with Christian. Talk about him a little bit. And, and seeing him here in the OTAs, it's incredible how hard he works. I know you guys call him Baby Bosa, and he's a little bit like that. But the, I mean, we knew he was good before he got here. But did you have any idea Christian McCaffrey was this good, Juice? Uh, like you said, I knew he was very good. Um, but I don't think you get a, a true appreciation for it until you see it in person. And uh, one of the cooler things that just in this offseason, being the first offseason that I've spent with them, is just seeing how hard he practices in this phase right now. Um, there's a reason that he's as good as he is and he's so refined in his craft is because he puts in the time, he puts in the work, um, and he, he doesn't take any day for granted. He really is the hardest critic on himself. And that was one of the first things I noticed about Christian when he got into the building is that nobody wants him to succeed more than himself and nobody's harder on him, on him than himself. So um, he, he's got, I think he's got even more uh, to gain and I, I think it's going to be a big year for him. He has special ability, as you all do, in that he, he you know, adds the work ethic that's just insane. And he becomes you know, a great player. Fred, we always, the nickname always for Fred, since he broke through a couple of years ago, is All Pro Fred. But we got we to give you a new one now. Because, because you got the Dwight Clark Award uh, right. a few Wednesdays ago at a, mm -hmm. in a, in a, a special event. Let's hear it for the great Dwight Clark to start. And this is a special player in the history of the 49ers franchise. The Dwight Clark Award best uh, exemplifies his spirit and teamwork and, and, and uh, camaraderie. So what, what did it mean to you to get the Dwight Clark Award for it? Yeah, no, it meant the world, honestly. Um, you know, that event was so special to be at because you have all these former 49ers, legends of the game who have played, you know, for this franchise, all being in one building. And being able to talk to these guys, because I, unfortunately I never got to meet Dwight, right? I think he passed away in 2018 when I got drafted. Um, and you, you see the statue of the catch and everything, right? But you're able to talk to these guys about, you know, the type of person that he was, you know, the teammate. You know, they all talk about how he was the ultimate teammate and just exuberated with, with energy and, um, and positivity. So uh, I hope to only, you know, achieve uh, even the slightest bit that he did and, and touch as many lives as he did. Pure class. We miss him every day, don't we? So we just met Steve Wilkes, your new defensive coordinator. Uh, you had some good ones here in, in Sala and, and Man, D'Amico. The best. This guy's a former head coach, though. Mm -hmm. uh, a little like Anthony Lynn on the offensive side. Um, how do you think he changes your, your defense this year? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll say this about Coach Wilkes, man. He's come in and just done an amazing job. Um, you know, I think, like you mentioned, I've had the, the privilege of playing under such great defensive coordinators already. And I think the thing that the common denominator amongst all of them so far is that they're just pure leaders of men, you know, in their own, in their own ways, too. You know, they all have different personalities and the way they go about it. But uh, Coach Wilkes, the fact that he's been able to control uh, or just grab the attention of his, of his room, you know, as in us, the defense, in such a short amount of time, it, it speaks volumes, um, you know. And I, I'm so excited to keep, keep working, keep developing, keep, uh, keep going into the season because I know we have a lot of work to do. And obviously we have a lot of talent. That doesn't mean anything unless you put the work in uh, day in and day out. And so that's exactly what we're doing right now. We're going to continue to do that. But he's done an awesome job. I know he's going to continue to do great. 
You guys, the success over the last four years, you've had a lot of great coaches poached off this, off this uh, coaching staff. Mike McDaniel, Juice, your guy, now in Miami, Miami Mike. Um, so how has it changed? And the personality of Coach Furster, he's now the run game, uh, run game coordinator. How, how has it changed? They just give me a, an install. When you have Kyle Shanahan and the brilliance of his mind in running the football, you got Chris Furster, you're involved, everybody's involved. I mean, the running game you guys do here is state-of-the-art. Yeah, there's no question. Um, but I feel like the cool part is that it's really been a seamless transition from one guy to the next. Um, they actually have somewhat similar personalities, and it's crazy. I mean, I, I don't even want to say, like, you, you quickly forget what it used to be like. You know what I mean? Like, each season truly is like a new season, and it becomes the norm. Um, and you just, you adapt so quickly. But uh, these guys, I mean, we started something here seven years ago, and each year we've been able to build on it. Um, and it's really cool to see where we're at at this point. Yeah, obviously it's so much fun, all the misdirection. You can't, I used to watch you and figure the ball's going to you, but no, he's just a decoy. It's going the other way. Uh, Jake, uh, the big off-season acquisition was Javon Hargrave. And I go back to the NFC Championship game, and I see a lot of double teams. You had to block him some with a guard on each side. Uh, you know better than anybody here what it's like to put a body on this guy. How, how good is this guy? No, he's top-notch, for sure. Um, you know, as soon as I saw that we uh, got him, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, that's Locke. Like, I don't have our to block that guy anymore. Fantastic. training camp. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, honestly, we're just taking one elite player, plugging it right into an elite defensive line. So I, I honestly think it's a win-win. And obviously, he'll line up next to Nick Bosa, so what are you going to do there? But as far as you behind it, and you've got Eric Armstead, who's the former basketball player at Oregon, 6'7", and then you got Javon, who's, you know, more 6'3", but huge. Obviously, the, the addition of Javon and uh, playing behind such, a, such an outstanding defensive line, it makes my job so easy, and obviously I would not uh, be the player or make the plays that I make without them. Without a doubt. Yep. Juice, uh, the offense is coming back. We got a few new quarterbacks here. One, Sam Darnold, obviously. Hopefully Brock gets healthy, and Trey's looking better than ever. The old line, Colton will probably take over at right tackle. The running back room is just loaded. The wide receivers, you got George and added a few tight ends. Just what, what do you see for, from your offense in June? I, I, well, so far, I feel like it's, um, it's just been a, a continuation of what we uh, you know, kind of finished with last year. And like you said, there's, there's not a whole lot of new faces. Um, it, it really is the majority, uh, the same guys that we had last year. And even, you know, with, with McKivitt stepping in for McGlinchey, it's, it's not like it's uh, McKivitt's first time uh, starting. He's been out there multiple games, so that's pretty seamless. Uh, but, I mean, this time of year is really just about developing. Um, we don't get too complex into our, our scheme and that sort of things. We really kind of keep things basic. Uh, but I really, I, I'm excited, man. I, it's really hard not to be excited uh, when you see everything that we were able to do last season and just know that we should be able to build on top of that. Um, I only see good things. You got a little bit of sour taste in your mouth at the way, I mean, it, 10 straight regular season wins, incredible. Beat Seattle, beat Dallas. But I know we already got the game in Philadelphia circled on the calendar, December 3rd. Uh, do you feel like you didn't get a chance to play those guys, Jake? What, what's your thoughts going back to the link in South Philly? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's an unfortunate way to lose a game, for sure, you know, when you don't feel like you have a fair shot. But um, ever since the end of that season, I feel like, you know, you just, you learn what you learn from that season and you move on. 
So I feel like the NFL stepped up and they decided that we could dress, you know, what was that, three instead of two? Emergency quarterback three yep. now, yeah. Yep, and it doesn't count. We almost had to guys. play use check at quarterback. I know. Okay. I know. You were, were you coming you were. in or was Christian going to come in? How was that going to work? I, that's a great question. Uh, after the game, Kyle, you know, Christian went in there and, and threw the one pass. But Kyle had told me that, like, if we got a few more first downs, we, we have, like, an, an emergency. And, and when I say emergency, I mean emergency package <laughs> uh, where I go in and play quarterback. And um, he said if we got a few first downs that we were probably going to go run a few of those plays. So who knows, um, you know, it, what that would have been like. Uh, <laughs> How would that have gone, Fred? You got any thoughts on that topic? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm sure we're doing great. Yeah. Emergency package. Yeah, emergency package, right. I mean, it was an emergency for sure. Like, yeah. Juice, what we, had, we had John and, and Kyle and Jed here. I, one of the first things they did when they got here, and you were a Pro Bowl player in Baltimore, they went and got check right away. They brought you in, and you've been to the Pro Bowl every single year. I, was, I saw you the day you were named again this year, and we looked it up. The only fullback in the history of football to make more consecutive Pro Bowls than you he just passed away, the late, great Jim Brown. Just, that's juice. But, juice! Greatest nickname ever, by the way. Even if they're booing you, we have no idea that they're booing you. He just dropped a pass in the flat. What's he doing? Oh, he's juice. Um, so you've been here. This will be year seven after four in Baltimore, 11 in the NFL. Yeah. Levi's, we were talking about the 10th year Levi's. You've had so many big games here playoff games, beating Green Bay to go to the Super Bowl. Is there, is there one moment when you look back on your time here in red and gold where you came through that tunnel and yeah. one moment that personifies Levi's? Oh, man, I mean, there really are so many. We've had um, some incredible, incredible moments here. Um, you know, the fact that we've even played so many home playoff games here in the last four years is awesome as a franchise. But um, you actually mentioned it, the, uh, the Green Bay game, um, in 19 was by far my favorite moment uh, as a Niner. Just coming out, you remember from warm-ups, I've never in my life experienced such energy, such electricity, uh, and, and we haven't even kicked off yet. And man, I, I really, I truly will never forget um, that game ever because just the feeling of that, uh, you could just, you could feel the fans, you could feel the whole city, like everybody was truly there with us, and everyone was just so excited about the team that we had, and um, really felt like th there was no, nobody could beat us that day, and uh, things went pretty well. What's it like, and the beautiful thing, you know, Chris Furster and, and Kyle, when it's working, they're just going to ram it down your throat. The Minnesota game the week before, the Green Bay game, and as a, a fullback, and you're involved in a lot of this, what's that feeling like? when you're just dominating, the whole stadium knows, the whole world knows, they're running the ball, and we can't stop them. That, that feeling of the defense knows you're going to run the ball, and you're still able to do it, um, it, it truly, there's nothing like it, and you, you feel it. Like, there, there is this feeling when you get in the huddle, you know Kyle's going to call another run play, and, and as soon as it comes out of the quarterback's mouth, like, I mean, we, we smile at each other, we laugh, like, it's, it's some of the most fun moments I've had on a football field is when we're in four-minute drill at the end of the game. I mean, you ask Jake, the, the offensive huddle, it's just, it's a blast. Because, like, we're all, we're all serious, we're all motivated, but we're also, like, we have this, like, giddiness to us. And we're laughing and we're like, smiling at each other, and um, it, it's truly something special. Do you love that? When, when he calls, like, 18 Zorro or one of your run plays... 
Do you love, would you rather have a run play called in or a pass play? Run, 100%. Without a doubt. Why am I asking a center? That's a stupid question. <laughs> Shoot, I'm giddy on the sideline watching it. I'm like, yeah, keep running that thing. Stay out there on the field. Right into the end zone. Yeah. Man, the last four years have been special, Fred. So as a leader of this team, the leader of the defense, all pro Fred, just give me your thoughts on the last four years and what, what you're hoping for and expect from, from this season. Yeah, I think um, uh, for people who don't, who aren't out there, who aren't suiting up with us, you know, obviously everybody here is a diehard 49er. We're diehard 49ers. Everybody here is a diehard 49er. Uh, the hardest thing every single year is making it to, you know, the NFC Championship game and, and falling short. Making it to the Super Bowl, falling short. You know, I've been to, uh, what, I guess two, three, three NFC Championship games, one Super Bowl yeah. through five years and haven't been able to make the, make the, the hurdle, right? Um, so then, you, you know, you dust yourself off at the end of the year and you look, you look up, you're like, dang, we got to start all the way over. <laughs> like, we don't just get to snap our fingers, all of a sudden we're back in that game, but you got to start all the way over with a brand new team, you know, turnover at, at different positions, and you think, dang, how are we going to do it? And I think the thing that brings me back, you know, every single year to, to be as motivated and as driven as I am is obviously we have such a talented team. You know, we, we, you look at these guys right here and everybody else we have. Um, but just that, just that love for the game, um, it's, kind of a, it's kind of hard to describe, like, the feeling that I, that I have that, that really makes me go. Like, um, uh, it's just like this, you, you know you're right there uh, in terms of, like, being right there to winning the Super Bowl. You know that you're capable. You know you have the talent. All you want is a chance. You know, and so right now, I think that what, what allows us to not let it be overwhelming is you take it one day at a time. You know, you focus on the process. You focus on the things that allow you to put yourself in that position, and then you handle what you need to handle once you get there. You know, who knows what would have happened if Brock Purdy stays healthy at the end of last season. You know, there's some things that just don't go your way, and that's fine. You learn from it. You move on. Um, but I think the thing that you got to remember always is you don't just snap your fingers and go back to that game. You got to build the right foundation with with a, a very tight knit team. You know, talent doesn't mean anything if, unless you work hard. So um, I'm really looking forward to having the best year yet that we've had here um, since I've been here. Brick by brick, right? You got to build it. Juice, you've made the Pro Bowl every single year. You've been a Niner, uh, but it's the Super Bowl. Is that is that the last piece of your career? Is just to win the Super Bowl? Uh, I think it's a piece and probably the most important piece, but uh, I don't think it's my last. Um, kind of like Fred said, like I, this, he loves the process, and um, I think that's what makes us special as a team is I think we all kind of love the process, and I'm definitely one of those guys that, you know, after 11 years, I still look forward to going to practice. I still look forward to those early, those games early in the season, um, and I know that I can't just snap my fingers and be in the Super Bowl and have that, ch that chance to get a ring. Um, so, yeah, I hope we get that ring. But um, that won't be the end of it for me. Yeah. You know, just watching you guys work, not only the extreme talent, but the, the work ethic. Everybody here, Jake, that's the thing about this team. And obviously the coaching staff and ownership, everybody just the buy-in factor. Being here in the OTAs, you guys don't have to be here. They're voluntary. What, what is it about your group that... You guys just love football, don't you? Of course. <laughs> no, I mean, I feel like everyone in my group especially has been playing football for their entire life. 
You know, it's 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 in, it's ingrained in them. It's who they are. It's who they stand for. Um, and really, if they mess up, it's more of like a ding to who they are and their identity more than anything else. And I feel like uh, just over the past month or so, we've really seen a lot of improvement across the board. I'm just looking forward to getting ready during camp. Without a doubt. Congratulations, my friend. What a year he had last year. Kyle Juszczyk, the perennial pro bowler, all pro Fred. Maybe the big difference, if it is the Eagles next year, instead of going to South Philly, have them come to the South Bay to play the NFC Championship game, and it may be an entirely different outing. Jake Rendell, Kyle Juszczyk, and Fred Warner. Thank you, guys. Stay healthy this year. First and foremost, stay healthy, Juice. Take care, Fred. Did you guys have fun tonight? Wasn't that fun? So the 21st night of September, playing the New York Giants on Thursday night football to uh, open the season. So we hope to see you there. We hope to see you at training camp. We had a great time tonight. We want to thank all of our guests. Al Guido was the first quarter. Jed, John, and Kyle, the second quarter. Then you heard from the coordinator, Schneids. Well, he sold Jake Moody hard, didn't he? Steve Wilkes, and obviously Chris Furster, one of the best O-line coaches in our three players. So uh, let's leave tonight with one final time. Are you ready? Everybody get up and do it together. Touchdown! Thank you.